so how many of y'all are football fans? Any of y'all football fans? A couple of y'all? Well, some of y'all are not football fans. That's okay. That's all right. So my father-in-law, I, I, I shared this message about a year ago, and my father-in-law came and he asked me what I was going to be preaching, and he, I told him, he said, I want to come. And he said, but you know what? I like football. And I said, that's okay. You know, it's not about football. However, we're going to use uh, the stadium as an analogy, kind of look at a stadium. So if you pull up and you're driving up to a football field, okay, or a stadium, there's three distinct parts of a stadium. You got your stands, right? You got your field, and then there's always a dressing room, right? So we're going to talk about those three areas, and each area is going to apply to somebody else in this room. Somebody in this room will be in each one of the areas. So some of you people that raise your hand, you like football, and most of you didn't, which I don't know if you don't raise your hand or you're just lying to me or what the situation is. That's okay. It's all right, we're in church. I guess you can lie. But anyway, not supposed to. All right, so anyway, how many of y'all have heard of the guy, Coach Nick Saban? Anybody heard of Nick Saban? few more people have heard of him, right? Some of y'all are going, I can't believe you would say his name in my church. Like, what are you doing, right? So several years ago, I was flipping the channels around, and I came across an ESPN program called uh, Rolling with the Tide Training Days. It was about the Alabama football team, and it was four series or four shows they had. And in this episode, there was a basketball player by the name of Kobe Bryant. And Kobe Bryant has since passed away. A tragic accident, a helicopter accident, killed him a few years ago. But he came and talked to the Alabama football team. And after he spoke with the football team, uh, there's a scene in the show where Nick is speaking to his football players. He's got 100 football players in front of him. And he asked them this question. He said, guys, do you know what makes the best the best? And then he went on to say, what makes the best the best, guys, is they tell themselves the truth. So today, as you listen to what the Lord has placed in my heart to share with you, understand it's truth. We're going to use a lot of God's words. If you got your Bible, get that ready. Okay? But it's truth. So today, I want you to spend a few minutes. I want you to not think about anybody else, whether they're family members, friends. I want you just to focus on yourself. I want you to be reflective today. I want you to understand there's going to be truth spoken today. Another thing I was prepared today, I was actually talking to a, friend, a pastor friend of mine, and he said, you know something about truth, Philip? He said, truth requires a response. When you face truth, it requires a response. So today at the end, we'll give you time also to respond, but be thinking today how you can respond to this truth. And be honest with yourself. Don't be thinking about somebody else. So again, as you pull up to a football stadium, you notice there's stands. Now in your mind, whether you're thinking a small football field with a few stands, or you're thinking Tiger Stadium with a bunch of stands, there, there's definitely people in these stands. And I think there's two groups of people that are in these stands. So as we go through the talk today, I want you to think, where am I? Where am I? So the one group in the stands, these people have been... They come into the stands and maybe they've been asked to come in the stands. 
You know, but they don't really care about what's going on in the field, right? They're just coming because somebody asked them. You know, or their children. Okay, my dad coached basketball, and I, I coached someone in the summertime, and so I have a six-year-old kid at the house. And sometimes she comes to the, to the gym with me or to a game with me, not because she could care anything about what's going on in the field, because she's come because I brought her, right? The people in the stands, what do they do? And these spectators, I call these spectators. These spectators, they're interested in the jumbotron. They're interested in the band. They're watching the, the mascots, right? Are you in the stands? Are you here at church? Maybe because somebody invited you. Are you, are you, are you only here because somebody drug you? Are, you? are you feel like you're supposed to be here? And you just come here on Sundays and you're just spectating. You, you know, this Jesus thing, the thing He's saying, like it, does, it doesn't resonate with you. You're just here because somebody asked you. You may be, may be in that, maybe where you are. Um, there's another um, group that's, that's in the stands. And this group that's in the stands, but first of all, let's just say this. The spectators, if you walked in here, you know you're not a follower of Jesus, right? You never made that decision, okay? The other group of people in the stands, these people are the fans. These people that get excited. These people that are yelling. These people that are, that are listening to the coaches' show. These people that if they're not at the game, they're listening on the radio. Like, they're really into it. These are the fans, right? They probably bought tickets to get in. They didn't just get invited. They may even give money to, to the team or the school. Okay? These people are fired up. Okay? Another thing these people may do is they may even have a jersey. They may even have a jersey. But guess what? It's my name, by the way, and a Steeler fan. You just have to be wondering, but why I'm a Steeler fan. Uh, don't hate me right now. But anyway, but, but you know what? Where did I get this jersey? I bought it. Right? I'm not on the Steeler football team. Right? So, so you understand that, that having this jersey doesn't make me a part of the team. Maybe somebody, y'all, that you, you come every Sunday. You may be coming every Sunday for a long time. You've maybe never made, you've never made, being in the, the stands and being a fan, you never joined the team. You've walked through those doors for maybe years. You may give a tithe money. You, you may give tithe money every Sunday. You, you may even be on a committee. People, people may perceive that you made a decision, but the thing about joining God's team is it's internal. You may have been faking it. You, you may have been going through the motion and checking off the box. You, look, I can wear this all day long. I can yell at the TV all day long. But I'm not still a player. I can wear this jersey. It doesn't make me a team member. Just like coming into this church doesn't make you a Christian or make you a believer. You know, a lot of us trick ourselves and think that. If you got your Bibles, let's look at one, look at a verse we're dealing with this here. Matthew 7, 21. Being a good person, checking off the boxes, that doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ. It doesn't. Coming into church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. You know, in another passage, it talks about it. It says, well, wait a minute, what do you mean? 
You know, what do you mean? I, I called you Lord, Lord. And, and, and Jesus says this. He says, away from you, I never knew you. See, there's a lot of people in churches today that think that they're a follower, but they've never joined the team. They've never accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. There's some people that maybe have been faking it and they may be old. Some may be young. It's not an age thing on this, y'all. It doesn't matter. Has there been a point of your life that you've said, you know what, I've confessed Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. Is there been a time that you've done that? Are you there? Are you in the stands? Are you one of those two? The next part is the field. You're on the field. Congratulations. You've received the jersey and you're on the team. One thing when you notice when you get on the team, there's responsibilities, there's expectations. There's things that God wants you to do. You see, whether you join a football team or God's team, there's things that you have to do. There's responsibilities. You can't just say, yeah, I'm on the team, and then sit on the sidelines. That's not the way it works in God's team. There's no sidelines. There's also things that we've learned about God is that God has a game plan. There's a game plan. So if you've got your Bibles, let's look in Matthew 22, 37-38. Alright, you say, Philip, what, what is God's game plan? Well, I've been sitting in churches long enough to know we've got to have some points here. So I'm finna have my points. Alright, here's another point. There's three points on this. Alright, three things we know. You like that, don't you? That's pretty good. I thank you. Matthew 22, 37-38. Number one is to love God. That's number one on his game plan for you as a believer is to love God. So if we got 22, 37 and 38, it says this. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. To love your God. You know, we use the word love a lot, don't we? I love pizza, right? When I was when I was a a young Youngster, my grandparents lived in Heflin, Louisiana. Who knows where Heflin, Louisiana is? I'm not talking about it's south of Menden. It's kind of close to Sibley. See where Sibley is? You know where Heflin is? One person in the building. Hallelujah. All right? Heflin was where my grandparents lived. And I loved going to see them. and loved going fishing with my grandfather. and loved going to see the cows. And I learned how to drive on a pasture. When I was 12 years old, my wife asked me why I drive so slow. Well, I learned how to drive on a pasture. You don't drive fast on a pasture, do you? My grandfather said, good grief, you're going to kill us in his car, his truck. What, what does it mean to love? I started thinking about that. What does it mean to love? Well, there's things that God wants us to do is love. Number one, to love is to obey Him. You know, a lot of us like the idea of accepting Jesus Christ as a Savior part. Like, we, like, we want to be saved, right? Because we, we, we hear there's a hell, and if there's a hell, well, I don't want to go there. Right? So I want this fire insurance. Like I want to make sure that, that I'm safe there. But a lot of us, you know, we really struggle with the Lord part. But the Lord part. You know, you know, you know the, the Lord of our life. It means, he, he, he's, as my little girl says, the boss. The boss, right? You know, she loves the word the boss. And at the house she says, Daddy, you're the boss. And I say, yes, I am the boss. Do what I say. That's obey. 
You know, a lot of times we can say we love God. But you know what always happens? Our actions always speak louder than our words. So we obey in what God wants us to do. One thing about obeying, it's important to God for us to obey. You know one reason, fault reason why? is because we've got to look different than those that are out there. You know, it, it's sad to me when I'm around other believers and I, I hear of them saying, oh, well, I'm, I'm going to do this because I don't, I don't want to pay my taxes because the government, you know, the government. And the Bible tells us we're supposed to give Caesar what's Caesar's. The Bible also tells us it doesn't matter who's in charge, we're supposed to follow that person. You know, I don't know if any of y'all watched the movie The Chosen or not, this TV show The Chosen, I encourage you to watch it. We, we've been living here so long and we're so comfortable here that we don't, we don't realize that what's going on in, 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 in the New Testament when Jesus was living. Right? We don't understand the oppression was there. So, so obeying means obeying. When he also says we're supposed to obey those that are over us, it means even those that may not be following God. The Bible's full of those times. Daniel and others, right? What, what, what did Daniel do? God do for Daniel? He took care of him, didn't he? You know the story about Daniel the lions then, right? Daniel did what God wanted him to do. He, he, he didn't cause a ruckus. He didn't, he didn't try to, to get the, the person at the top changed. What did he do? Just follow what God wanted to do. And what happened? God saved him. And then, and, then, and, then, and then more people came to know the Lord because of that, right? So I think too many times we, 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 we struggle with the obey part, right? We, we want to obey as long as it's, it's, it's okay. I'm okay by obeying this. I heard this years ago, and I kind of wish I could find one. Uh, an erasable Bible. I mean, y'all like the erasable Bible idea where you, you read, ooh, I don't really like that part, and you erase it out, right? Well, there's no erasable Bible. We've we got to learn to obey. So my question is, if you're on the field, are you obeying? If you're honest with yourself, if there's anything in God's Word that you're not obeying with. Next thing we know about love is when you love, there's action. I can tell my wife I love her, but there's got to be action somewhere to show her I love her. So serve Him. Love Him, serve Him. Show Him love Him. How do you serve? What are you doing? We're just coming here and going, okay, I checked this out. I went to church this week. Woo, I can just go do what I want to do the rest of the week. Where is He serving? One thing I know about God is He's going to place something on everybody's heart to do. Are you doing anything with that? Or are you just going, I don't know why there's nobody doing anything about that. I don't know why they won't do something about this. What's wrong with you? Well, do you know that the Lord may put something else on their heart to do? It's one thing that I've been around churches all my life. I grew up in church. I've been on staffs in different ways at churches. Right now I'm the thrift store director. There's people that come in and get furious at me because I will not join them in what they're trying to get done. We have our mission and vision and what we're trying to do. The Lord puts something in your heart, do it. Obey. Serve Him. That's how you show love. You know, it's one thing to, to tell people, yeah, I love Jesus. And then they see you and they don't see you doing anything. They're going to be like, well, why should I follow that guy? Well, follow Jesus. Like, there's nothing, there's nothing, no life change there. So you're serving Him. Are you there? Are there things that you know 
you know that God's asking you to do. Do you know each one of you are created different, unique? Like I said before, you don't want me singing. I can promise you that. Ain't nobody ever asked me to come sing nowhere except one time. When I was in youth, I had the youth pastor at Temple Baptist Church in Ruston. That's where I went to youth. And he said, hey, Philip, come, come to youth choir. Come to youth choir. I'm like, I can't sing. Come to youth choir. I'm like, okay. So we're in youth choir. We're all up there. And he starts doing this. And he starts, okay, hold on. Somebody's off a little bit. And he, he narrowed it down. I told you I can't sing. So why are you asking me to come sing? So they had this, this choir trip that were going on. And so instead of asking me to sing, you know what I was? I was back there running knobs and, and, and bringing chairs in and setting up risers and running cords. I can't sing but I can find my place so I can serve, right? Too many times we're not humble enough to go, you know what? I don't care if anybody notices me, I'm going to do this. One thing my grandmother taught me not verbally, but by doing. In this little small Methodist church in Heflin, when I would go spend the night with her or spend the week with her, you know what she did? Her job was to come up there on Saturdays to turn the AC on or the heat on. And then on Sundays afterwards, she'd turn it on and off. You know, some people in that church may have never known how that AC and heat got turned on. But you know something? Her job was important. So it doesn't matter what Lord's putting on your heart to do, do it. There's going to be times He's going to call you out of your comfort zone. Well, guess what? If He calls you out of your comfort zone, what do He want you to do? Get out of your comfort zone. Why do you think there's sometimes the Lord is going to ask you to do something out of your comfort zone? Well, guess what? If He does something in your strength zone and in your comfort zone, who's going to take the credit for what He did? You are. I am. Well, look how good I Woo, look how good I did. Do you realize that the Lord sometimes is going to ask you to do things out of your comfort and strength zone? So there's no doubt in anybody's mind who gets credit for that one? Serving. Find ways of serving. Seeking. If He's not speaking to you, you've got to go back and think, am I on the team? Because the one thing I know about God, He's going to put something on your heart. He's going to put something on your heart. third part of loving is this. is submitting. Submitting. Kind of got ahead of myself a little bit, but submitting to God's authority. God's authority. I think back about when, when Peter and Jesus are together and they're praying, or Jesus is praying and Peter is sleeping, remember, and he wakes him up and all of a sudden these guards come in and they arrest Jesus. What, 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 did, what did Peter do? He got his sword. He did what? He cut off the ear of a soldier. Let me tell you something. Peter's not good enough just to cut the ear off. He was going for the head. He was going to kill that guy. What did Jesus do? Well, he got some dirt, he spit in it and healed the guy, and he reprimanded Peter. It's like, what are you doing, Peter? Do you realize there's things that's going on in your world, our world? God already knows. God's got a plan. One thing that we do too much of is we watch and hear things too much It don't matter. We get too fired up. I heard a pastor say this a few weeks ago. He said, turn off the news. Turn off Fox. Turn off CNN. Because guess what? All it does is get you fired up and mad. Well, guess who's in control anyway? God! God's going in control. Everything is going. Look, guess what? God knew Trump was going to be president. 
God knew Biden's going to be a president, and God knows who the next president's going to be. Okay? The Bible says he raises kings and he puts them back down. There's no stealing of anything. It's going to work out like God wants it to happen. And so we have to understand that and believe that because God is in control. God wants you to submit to His authority. Well, His authority is whoever you put over you right now. That crummy boss, that, that rude, cruel dictator, whoever's over you, He puts you over them for a reason. You know what? Just maybe, maybe you're supposed to live a life like Christ wants you to live. Maybe to witness that person. Maybe not just verbally, but through your life. Back when I was a sophomore in high school, and I would love to tell you I was doing this because I wanted to be a witness, but I was a so- I'm sorry, I was a senior in high school. There was a sophomore in high school. We were got to be buddies. And one day he came up to me and he said, Philip, he said, you don't drink, you don't smoke, you don't go to these parties. I don't know what it is about you. Well, the truth was, my dad would probably kill me if I did. But at a young age, I realized what? People are watching you. People are watching you. So if, if they're getting worked up about the world, and you're getting worked up about the world, and you say, come join Jesus, he gives us peace. I'm like, you ain't got no peace. Why stop? I mean, what are you talking about? You don't have any hope. You're acting the same way I'm acting. So understand the importance of submitting to God's authority. God is in control. That's how you show God you love Him. So are you struggling in this area? Be honest with yourself. Are you struggling in this area? Love God. Love others. Let's go to Matthew 22, verse 39. It says this. And the second, love your neighbors as yourself. Love others. They're going to be teammates. When you join the team, there's teammates. Well, guess what? If you were a real football player and you walked into a real football dressing room, there's going to be people of all types in that dressing room, right? All types. When you walk into your church, if you're a Christian, there's all types of Christians. My point is this, that all look the same. All followers of Christ will look the same. We have different nationalities. There's things that are different about us, different personalities. Right? Now, we're all followers of Christ. We're all different. We're all different. And so you have to think about that. There's, there's no doubt in my mind I'm supposed to be here today. Get your, if you got this out, get this out. If you don't, get your Bibles out. I'm going to tell you why. Because my next point, the verse I'm reading, is in this right here today. If you got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. If you don't, look at the, today's Bible verse. Hebrews 10, 24. 24 says this, And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. All right, let's stop there a second. Do you notice that S word? It's a four-letter word. It's not stir, but spur. What are we all guilty of? Stirring things up, right? We like stirring things up. You know, that, that's, our, that, that's our sinful nature. It's conflict. It gives us a little bit of extra juice. Let's, let's, let's talk about somebody. It's fun. It doesn't say stir things, spur. Spur. Would you be one to say, you know what? I can sometimes stir things up. You know, you know, you know, you know there's times that maybe I've, I've spoken something I shouldn't have spoken about somebody 
that I shouldn't have. Because guess what? When you say something about somebody, they hear that, and whether it's truth or not, they're taking their believing it about that person. Do you do that sometimes? I do. But the word says spur. Spur one another on. Spur means encourage. Who are you encouraging today? See, I believe that we're supposed to have Pauls in our lives, people we're supposed to pour into us, and then we're supposed to be pouring into somebody else. Who are you pouring into? Who are you spurring on? Not only just Pauls and Timothys, but who's sitting next to you? Have you spurred them? Have you encouraged them? Have you said, man, you're doing a great job? Who have you told lately you're doing a great job? If you see somebody doing something, who have you, have you thanked the person that, that turned their AC on? Have you thanked people that, that do the little things? Are you spurring people on? Are you encouraging people? What are you doing? That, as a teammate, that's what we're supposed to do. You know, one thing that, I, I, again, I coach summer basketball team, and so I go to a lot of high school basketball games, and one thing I love to watch, because I can tell a lot about a player, but we're doing one thing, watching their eyes and their body language. I went and watched a game a couple weeks ago, and a kid threw the ball up at my player, and that player didn't catch the ball, and he's doing all this, rolling his eyes. Well, guess what that kid did? He went up and turned the ball over a little while later. Missed some shots too. Do you do that? Do you hold expectations of somebody at a level that they can't meet? You can't either. Are you spurring people on? You've got teammates. You've got teammates. Also on the field, there's going to be people of other, the other teams on the field, right? There are other, there are other opponents up there. How are you treating the people around you that aren't believers? Do you give them what they deserve? Got your Bible, let's turn to Matthew 7, 12. I think I, wrong, I did the wrong verse. Do unto others as what? Treat people like what? Treat people like you want to be treated. As believers, we need to do that to the believers. But we also need to do that to non-believers. Why? Because that's not what the world does, right? If you start loving people and treating them like you want to be treated, they're going to be like, what the heck's wrong with you? I did this to you, but you did that to me? Show people grace. Show people grace. None of us want to be judged by our worst moment. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. I was at, a, I was at the pilot gas station about two years ago. And I know this verse is in here. Like I know, I know, I know it is. And I was talking to a guy that I don't think is a believer. And I was talking to him. I thought he was, but I'm, I'm not sure. Talking to him. And he said, this verse, it's, it's not verse 9 in the Bible. And I'm like, I thought it was. And I'm just talking about gas pump, went back and found it. 14 says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive, also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others when they sin, your Father will not forgive your sins. Do you forgive people? Right there, close up over to Matthew 5, 43 and 44. You've heard it said, Love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. There's other parts of the Bible where Jesus says this. He says, look, they persecuted me. Guess what they're going to do to you? They're going to persecute you. So don't be surprised when somebody says something, says something to you or treats you differently or throws a rock at you. Don't be shocked. Like, understand it's coming. So understand when it's coming, how am I going to react when it comes? And that's what you've got to resolve in your mind to know how you're going to react when it doesn't, when it comes. And don't be shocked when it does. Be ready. It's coming. 
Love them anyway. Pray for them anyway. Understand that they may be lost. They are probably lost. They may be a weak Christian. And I'd say they're a weak Christian if they respond differently. Age has nothing to do with where you are maturity-wise in Christ. The third thing, love God, love others. third thing I want you to do is He wants you to tell others about Him. Go to Matthew 28, 19-20. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. One thing I noticed is all nations. Do you realize that all nations are coming to the United States right now? Without getting political, do you think that God understands that happening? Whether somebody's here legal or illegal, it's not your job to figure that out unless it's your job. But if it's not your job, do what? Share Christ with them. Love them. Share Christ with them. You don't know. There may be somebody here that you run across that may be here legally or illegally that you share the love of Jesus to. They've come saved. And they, who knows what happens back in their country if they go back. or Who knows what the Lord's doing with this. Do you realize that God is orchestrating all this? This stuff ain't happening by chance, y'all. You go back to the early church, what happened, what happened after Pentecost? There's persecution broke out. What happened then? They were scattered. Why don't they get scattered to go tell people? People are coming here. Again, turn off the news. Quit worrying about why somebody's looking at you and you know they're looking at you. Why are we scared to tell people about Jesus? Number one, I think we're fear of rejection. I'm, I am. I'm scared. But understand this. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. But you know what goes further than telling them? And I think you need to tell them is to love them. Don't beat them over the head all the stuff they do wrong. Just love them. Share Jesus with them. Another thing is we don't know what to say. I heard this analogy years ago at a church. And the guy said this. You may have heard this. He says, you know what? If you go out here and you're driving home today and there's a car wreck and the policeman pulls up, all he wants you to do is tell him what you see. He's going to say, what'd you see? That's all he wants you to tell him is what you saw. He didn't expect you to know how fast the car was going and what angle it hit the other car, how, how, how long the brakes were on, how far it skid. He ain't interested in all, any, all, all that stuff. All he wants you to tell him is, what did you see? So guess what? All you have to tell somebody is, what Jesus did for me. What hope I have in Jesus. What peace I have. How He changed my life. That's all they want to know. That's all they want to know is, why are you following this guy named Jesus? Why should I follow this guy? And you tell him about your life before and your life now. Another reason that we, that we may have failed to tell people about Jesus is we've forgotten that hell's real. Hell is real. Jesus is the only way. He's the truth and the life. He says, no one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Him. We're close, we're close. I know the baby ain't the only one hungry. Here we go. The third part, the third part's a dressing room. The third part's a dressing room. So the thing about the dressing room, they've been on the field, right? People have been on the field and they're in the dressing room now. You don't go in the dressing room in your stands. You've been on the field. 
So my question to you is, are you in the dressing room? Well, here's the dressing room. I feel like the dressing room is two types of people in the dressing room. One type is you sinned and you made a big mistake. And you think, you know what? I can never be used. You don't know what I've done, Philip. I can never be used. Well, then I think back about a guy named Peter who followed Jesus for three years. I don't know what you did, but I know one thing. You ain't followed Jesus. In his footsteps, eyeballs on him for three years. And then guess what? After he followed him for three years, what did Peter do? He denied Christ. Not once, not twice, but three times. Denying Christ is a sin. When you sin, that's all you're doing is denying Christ. And I do know this. When Jesus came back, Jesus said, Hey, y'all go get Peter. There's nowhere else on Scripture to say anything about go get anybody else. He was commanded, go find Peter. I need to talk to Peter. Now he talked to over 500 people, but somebody said, he said, go get Peter. Why? Because guess what? He used Peter again. He used Peter again. He said, Peter, I'm going to use you as a cornerstone. You go on this rock. You've been the rock. I'm going to build my church on you, Peter. So I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter. God wants to use you. Romans 3.23 tells us this, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us. And He redeems. He's in the business of redeeming. So if you're in the dressing room because you go, you don't know what, I, you know what I've done? Get back on the field. Or you may go, you know what? I'm just too old. If you realize what all I've done, you realize how old I am, you'd be like, Philip, let me just sit. So i tell you a story about a lady. When I got to the First West Thrift Store, there was a lady there named Nelda Watson. And Miss Nelda was a little obedient lady. Came about right I'm not very tall. I said, about right here. Skinny lady. And the first thing she asked me when I meet her, she said, what time are you getting to work in the morning? Well, I thought, well, home is up at 9. I'll be here by 9. You know? I'm not an early riser. Some of y'all may be like, good grief. I've had six cups of coffee by then. Everything else. I'm mowing the grass by 9 o'clock or whatever. Okay? And I said, what time are you going to be here, Miss Nelda? Well, Miss Nelda, what time are you going to get here? She said, 7. I work 7 to 11. I'm like, okay. Why you can't wait till 9 to 1? Whatever. Okay. I got there. If I wasn't there, guess who was looking at me waiting on me? Miss Nelda. Miss Nelda. 94 years old, Nelda Watson was volunteering at the thrift store. And guess what? Miss Nelda's job, when she came to volunteer at the thrift store, is different now if you want to volunteer. Don't worry about this. But the thrift store at the time, they had no, no sitting positions. You couldn't sit and do stuff. And so what she agreed to do, because she said, I want to serve, is she would take stuff from the back of the store and roll it out on a little cart and put it on the floor. And she'd walk back and back and back. 94 years old, and she ain't stopped. She came Tuesdays and Thursdays. Do you know when she stopped? She stopped when she had a stroke. And when I saw her at the nursing home, she said, Philip, I'm sorry I couldn't come that day. Think of Lord have mercy, you had a stroke? I know you couldn't come. But Nelda served and served and served until what? Until she couldn't anymore. And then she went to the nursing home. And the cool thing about the nursing home is the nursing home, there was two people in the nursing home in her, in her room. And the lady over here was mean. And she told you she's mean. I went and visited like, well, it was mean. And guess what? Nelda witnessed to her and shared love to this lady right here. So Nelda never stopped her ministry. She didn't stop. You know when you can get in the dressing room? It's when God calls you home. That's when you get in the dressing room. So remember what I told you at the very beginning. Coach Saban told his players, the best tell themselves the truth. The best of the best tell themselves the truth. 
I ask, also ask you at the very beginning to not focus on anybody else, but focus on the truth of God's Word. So we're going to do this before we leave. I also told you we got to re- when you're presented with truth, we have to reflect on it. So everybody close your eyes, bow your heads, and just you yourself process what the Lord wants you to do today. Are you on the stands? You just happen to walk in here by chance. You don't know anything about this guy, but maybe you want to know. I'll be here. Be glad to talk to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe you're maybe you're a fan, and you've you've tricked others. And there's people in this room would go, "That person's not saved." Are, are, are you a fan? Have you been given the jersey? Has there been a time in your life where you knew that you followed Christ? So if there was a time, or wasn't a time, you're in the stands, everybody eyes closed, everybody's head bowed, if you would like to have the sinner's prayer, and you would like to accept Jesus Christ this morning, I want to be able to do that. I ever want to get the opportunity. All right, maybe you're on the field. You realize you're on the field. But there's something about it that you realize you haven't been done. Maybe you haven't loved God all like you should. Maybe you haven't obeyed God like you should. Maybe, maybe, maybe you are not willing to let God be in control of this world. And, and like so many of us, you want to be in control of your surroundings and everybody around you and everything and get upset. Maybe you just need to turn the external noise off. Maybe you're in the dressing room. There's sin, age. Think about where you are and think about what your response is today. And sell it right now with Jesus to God on whatever you need to do.